It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Does the Boston Celtics making the Eastern Conference, well, winning the Eastern Conference Finals and making it to the NBA Championship change how we view this net season? Is it any consolation to have the team that the Nets lost to ultimately in the playoffs go on to face the Warriors in the finals? Going to be talking about all that right after the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right. Welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. I am Doug Norrie, sitting here solo on the Locked On Nets podcast today, recording on a holiday. That's fine. Adam Armbrecht doing the family thing with the barbecues and the whatnot. Uh, we've been trading off a couple of these solos back and forth over the summer. Still making a commitment to bring you Nets coverage every single day as we roll through the offseason and right now, we are sitting on the edge of the NBA Finals. <laughs> we this is uh, it, we finally made it after slogging through something of a playoff experience that felt at times, I would say, not like a playoff experience just because of the amount of blowouts, just the amount of games that seemed to get out of hand. It seemed like there were times when teams felt like they had it all in them to win it all, and then the next game would feel like they barely even wanted to play basketball. It's been a very... Very, very weird playoffs from that standpoint. And there's more blowouts than I can remember. A lot of these games got away from teams. It seemed like teams just traded back and forth uh, until they basically made the finals. I know the Warriors dispatched the the Mavericks pretty quickly. But we saw like Dallas traded back and forth with Phoenix. We saw this crazy Boston series where it felt like one night the Celtics would, you know, could go to the finals. And the next night it felt like they had nothing in them. I know injuries played a part of it too. But we finally made it to the finals starting Thursday evening, and it's going to be the Celtics versus the Warriors. Pretty excited for that uh, as a finals matchup, just because they're pretty—they're two pretty diametrically opposed teams in the way they're constructed and what they want to do on the court, how they want to kind of beat you. You know, Warriors obviously constant motion, want to just get up and down and transition, want to jack threes, want to just you know run you ragged with Steph and Clay and these guys. Off screens, obviously we know what Draymond can bring too. And then you have the Celtics who have basically built their team on defense, something that Nets fans are clearly aware of, (laughs) having watched the series in the first round and how it felt like at times Boston put the absolute clamp on the Nets, which they did. I mean, they you know made it very, very difficult for KD, made it very difficult at times for Kyrie, made it, you know, made it so you could see that the Nets really kind of ran out of options when it came to the offensive game, especially with the way they were constructed. And I guess I wanted to talk today about and ask everyone here too, is just does the Celtics making the finals change the way you view how this season unfolded for the Nets? You know, if we step away from all the stuff that the team went through at the beginning of the year with Kyrie not being able to play, 
And then we go through the Harden piece with him basically tanking, going through his own personal tank, and then uh, asking out, not even essentially, asking out uh, of the Nets to you know facilitate the trade to the Sixers. And then we go through all the COVID stuff that happened over the winter, and KD gets hurt, and Joe Harris gets hurt. But when it really came down to it, the season, they made it to the playoffs. It was a fight to get there. You know, we sweat through the play-in stuff. We were sweating through the seeding stuff. You know, it felt like every game was a must-win near the end of the season. If you just doesn't even take that long to rethink about that, just remember how all those games near the end of the year, like we were on the edge of our seat, like just, you know, scraping by the Rockets, losing to the Hornets, all these games that um, – that really felt like they were super high stakes and felt like the Nets sort of struggled with. But in the end, they did make the playoffs. They got to the they you know they make it to the first round against the Celtics. And I remember at the time sending out a tweet. I think I was like kind of half joking, but not really. That basically said, "Winner of Nets Celtics is going to the finals." And I did feel actually pretty confident. I, th- I, I want to believe that I felt pretty confident about that at the time. One, I felt pretty confident that the Celtics were actually a really, really good team. And I remember talking to John Corrales before that series started, and, and he picked the Celtics in six. And Adam and I both, I think it was six, Celtics in six. Did he even say five? Um, and, you know, I think Adam and I were both taken aback by his confidence at the time. He ended up being obviously more than a little correct in that assessment about where they ended up landing. But I remember thinking at the time, pretty confident that that series had a chance to sort of define the Eastern Conference. I thought it was going to be a lot closer. I think we all did. I think no one really saw a Nets sweep uh, happening at all, uh, or excuse me, a Celtics sweep over the Nets happening at all. That felt completely crazy to think about because, you know, after coming off the season, you still got KD, you still have Kyrie Irving. You know, you still have some role players that can make things happen. Seth Curry had looked really good uh, for them. You know, you want to believe you can get some drumming minutes. Maybe we get Claxton off the bench. There was, you know, you know. There, remember too, there was still a chance that Ben Simmons was going to play. That feels like an absolute eternity to go, eternity to go when it came to his availability. But if we don't, we, we think a little bit back to it. We say, oh yeah, remember we were going on a day to day basis around whether he was going to be able to play or not. You know, get maybe get Bruce Brown some quality minutes there. And it wasn't like no one was predicting a sweep. Even Corrales, like him saying game, you know, the series in six, there was that felt that felt nuts. It's like, okay, maybe we go seven. Then you're flipping a coin for that seventh game, something like that. Then what happens? They get swept. The reason I think it's worth bringing back up, though, is because it made me start to think about, you know, how we end up defining this net season. Because remember, go back to that game one of that series, and that was a it was an incredibly close game. And in the melee near the end on the final Boston, it was two possessions. They get the they go for the two uh, the one and one, or uh, to be able to extend the possession with Jalen Brown, and then they finally get to uh, that sort of like scramble near the end of the game where the ball is whipping around the court. It finally goes in to uh, to Tatum, and Tatum hits the buzzer beater, and that was how close the Nets were to being able to pull out that first game of the series. Now, what we know now, having watched the rest of the series, is that we can say to ourselves, well, you know, it wasn't maybe as close as, as we thought because they end up getting swept. Every game was close. The, the Nets were in every single one of those games when it really came down to it. You know, the, the point differential for that series wasn't much. They lost the first game by one, second game by seven, third game by six, last game by four. Okay, were each of those games maybe not as close as they appeared on paper? I think we could probably have watched that series pretty closely and said Boston was the better team. 
I don't think that's a outlandish thing at all to say about sort of how we how you know it stands how it ended up standing. But you know when you look at sort of the blowout, some of the blowouts that happened with the Heat, you know how that Milwaukee series uh, happened with Boston too. You know we, it's not hard to look at these games and say there is a world where this series turns out very very differently. Tatum Tatum misses that bunny at the end. You know Nets steal a game in Boston. How are we feeling about the Nets there? Does that change the tenor of the season? And that's what I want to say. Does it change the tenor of the season knowing, yes, they got swept, but they got swept by a team that is going to the NBA Finals? Are they going to win the Finals? I don't, I don't know. You know, It's going to be a really interesting series. But I guess what I'm asking everyone here is, does it change our opinion of how the net season turned out? Were they closer than it would appear when they just you know, they don't, they get swept. Simmons doesn't play the last game. It all feels like a mess and things have spiraled a little bit in the off season. I think it has to change your opinion a little bit. I think it has to at least make you stop and say, you know, does it, you know, is it a win? No. Is it, are there moral victories in this game? Not really. And not, not at least for the teams that are at the Nets caliber of play. But I think you have to look back at it and say, okay, hey, this was a really, really quality team they just lost to. This is a team that is going to the NBA Finals, that just walked through, that was able to beat Giannis in seven games, was able to beat a Jimmy Butler that was completely out of his mind um, in the last two games for Miami and being able to pull those. I mean, I know they lost game six, but the you know, you know, they stood toe-to-toe with some of these guys that were just you know at the tops of their games, and they ended up going to the Finals. I think it changes the way you feel about the net season. I think it, it doesn't look as bad. It doesn't look... You know, it's it's not a championship, but it doesn't look as bad. I do want to talk a little bit more about what that means, you know, what the Nets sort of need to do in terms of team building so they can be, you know, in this echelon again, how worried we are about the Eastern Conference going forward and, you know, where the Nets stand with that as well. Because I think this, you know, Boston making the finals with this team does beg the question about where the balance of power lies in the Eastern Conference. going to talk about all that in a second first. Got to talk to you about our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the award-winning daily fantasy option app for the NBA. It's super easy. It's player props. You pile them together in Prize Picks. You go over, under on projections. It's just you versus the numbers, and you can win up to ten times on any entry. You can make an entry in sixty seconds or less. It's super easy. You go over there for the finals for Prize Picks. You pick a player. You pick rebounds, points, assists, steals, blocks. Anything you want up there, you put, like I said, two to five players. You increase those odds as you go up to determine how many players you're going to put together. You can actually mix and match sports if you want to maybe throw some NBA with the MLB as well. Prize Picks has you covered there for a limited time. Prize Picks users get an exclusive no-brainer of an offer. You get $50 for free if a player in your first Prize Picks injury scores just a single point can't be easier than that $50 for free single point you have to use the promo code NBA exclusive offer available for locked on fans sign up today use the promo code NBA for $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks injury scores a single point prize picks is daily fantasy made easy the NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, so 
balance of power, Eastern Conference, Celtics make it to the finals. You know, they were not the favorites going into the playoffs. Well, you know, by some, you know, by some analytics, they, they people had, you know, 538 had the Celtics as the odds on favorite to win the championship as early as like the, before the playoffs started. That was not the way uh, how things opened up to start the playoffs. The, both the Bucks and the uh, Nets, I believe, were favored over uh, over the Celtics going in. I think the Celtics were you know favored over Philly before it was all said and done, and we saw how that landed. But you know, how do we feel with the Celtics making the finals maybe a little bit ahead of schedule? You know, this is the other thing that's going to start to throw maybe a little monkey wrench in where the Nets see their destiny ultimately lying in the Eastern Conference. Adam and I talked about it yesterday on the podcast about, you know, where the Nets have to believe they are in terms of the hierarchy. As long as you have Kevin Durant, even if you're, you know, even if it's not correct, you always have to view yourself as a title contender. That's just the way that's just the way it is now. Like the, you're pot committed on this as a team. This is why we said, we think we're going to see Kyrie Irving back. This is why you need Ben Simmons to come out to be the very best version of himself. The Nets are just in this place as a team at this point. So they're, and, and they deserve to be, when you have Kevin Durant on your team, um, you have to be, you know, especially the, the, the levels that he's been playing at over the, the, this past year when he was healthy, you have to believe you're a championship-level team. That's just correct. So, you know, no, not throwing anything at the Nets for me believing that. It's, it is correct. That's where they stand right now as a team. But it does kind of make you wonder about, you know, does the how the Eastern Conference layout is going to look like for the rest of this Kevin Durant run. Because I don't think, you know, midway through the season for sure, even near the end of the season, I don't think people were, a lot of people at least, were seeing Boston as like the sort of perennial title contender right yeah nice nice team really nice defense a true star in Tatum for sure a nice supporting cast but like you know every year title contender from here on out I don't think many people would have labeled the Celtics like that so while at one point it's not the worst thing in the world to have lost the first round against the team that ultimately went to the finals what you do have to start worrying about I think as a Nets fan is to say to yourself well maybe we hadn't put the Celtics in that tier of teams that we needed to worry about going forward when it came to the Nets because they didn't seem like they were a team that was in that, like in that class. Again, nice team, nice role players, coach is good. We get it. But the way that they've sort of grown over the course of this season and for sure during the playoffs, you have to look at the Celtics in a totally new light now. And it's kind of scary, frankly. It's, it's scary to look at this team and know that we need to add this team to the list along with Milwaukee, along with Philadelphia, who, you know, with Embiid and if they bring back Harden. As, and you know, the Heat seem to just kind of figure it out every single year, right? Like it was Spolstra and Butler and this, the organization that they have put together, you know, Bam, obviously, that's a team that always seems to you know, punch above its weight, keep its head above water way further than you think they would. And now you add the Celtics to the mix. And you say to yourself, man, the Eastern Conference is loaded. We knew the Eastern Conference was loaded. But again, if you've just that little pivot of saying the Celtics are a really, really nice team to a Celtics or a title contender who, you know, when it's all said and done, might win the title. And frankly, even if they get swept by the Warriors, they still made it to the finals. I, like, even I don't think they're going to get swept by the Warriors. But even if they did, just to have made it through the finals through this Eastern Conference is a testament to itself. So you have to just totally look at them in a totally new light now. Yeah, Nets lost to them. Okay, makes you feel a little better about the sweep. Not really, but a little. Okay, if they had gone out and gotten swept by the Bucks, I think we'd be really having, uh, 
kind of <laughs> come to a moment here about where the net stood. But you can start to feel a little bit better about it, knowing, hey, that wasn't the case. They fought through the Bucks. They beat the Heat. Took them both to seven. Nets played to that team strong. Maybe it's not as big of a disaster. But now you go into next season, and you think, man, I need to now reformulate where I think the Nets are in just the teams among the teams in the East. And that's a kind of a scary proposition because if you look at the Celtics team, they are a couple things. They're not young across the board, but their star, their their main star, Tatum, is young. All right. Jalen Brown, they're you want to call him the second best player. It's right, it's it's not really been that case. They've kind of been trading around the second best player for this series for a little while. Uh, it's been a really of a team effort. But Tatum, or excuse me, Brown is also young. Okay, Marcus Smart, been in the league a little while, coming off a defensive player of the year campaign. Do you think he deserved it or not? I don't really, but he played fantastic, so he's in that mix. They've done a really nice job with the role players. We know Emo Doku has been amazing as a coach. Seems like Brad Stevens figured out the <laughs> president of the basketball operations thing pretty darn quick. And all of a sudden, this is like a really formidable team that projects to be very good for probably a few years. And by the way, through the years that are that Kevin Durant is going to be on the Nets under contract. And adding this other title team to the mix... It's not like Giannis is going anywhere, so you're still going to have the Bucks there. What happens with Philly? I don't know. I mean, it seems like they're about ready to all kind of go at each other again and doesn't not sure, you know, Embiid's kind of throwing comments at Harden, and they went down in flames. Maybe we're not as worried about that situation, but it's still Embiid. You know, Harden comes back in shape next year. You start probably start thinking about them differently. And I think that the situation for the Nets in this Eastern Conference has gotten even more precarious than we thought it already was. Again, we always knew that this Eastern Conference was going to be tough. You know, Durant, Giannis, Butler, Tatum is on has reached another level right now. You got a couple other teams that always seem to again play a little bit better than you think they're gonna. The Raptors have seemed to do this every single year. We'll see what happens with the Bulls and Levine. Not really worried about that team. Hawks made it to the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago. They completely stunk stunk it up this season. You know, you get the the Cavaliers. I don't think those other teams are on championship levels. But they all they all kind of make things tough. But yeah, man, I tell you, adding the Celtics to the mix with this really makes me not worried necessarily. But it has to downgrade some of that Nets championship equity that you want to believe in when you look at the way the team is constructed, because it just all gets hard. And now you have a team in the Celtics that eat, no matter what happens with them here, no matter what happens with the way that the season finishes for them, you have to look at them at least having been battle tested completely battle-tested. Two seven-game series that they close out against two really, really good teams, not many teams can say that. Not many teams can go and put that on their resume and then make it to a finals. That is a team that has it together. That is a team that keeps it at the highest level at the times it matters most. And it's scary for the Nets. It's scary for the rest of this Durant run. It's scary knowing that Tatum's going to be a Celtic and Brown's probably going to be a Celtic, and they've been really good about putting these pieces together uh, around them. You know that their coach is up to the task, and it makes you, it just got to make you worried. So, again, just to reiterate, yes, not like feeling a little bit better about, I know I've said this a couple of times, feeling a little bit better about maybe the way the season ended and who you lost to. But now, looking forward to the rest of the season, you think to yourself, 
or excuse me, the rest of this run with Durant. And I think and I think they get Kyrie back here. We said that on the podcast the other day. I think when it's all said and done, Kyrie is a net. I think it's beneficial to both teams. I think you're seeing both teams, or seeing both sides. You're seeing both sides probably play a little hardball. You know, these guys are all professionals. They want to get paid. Everyone has the jobs that they need to do. So I don't begrudge anyone trying to get the most that they're going to do. I think in the end, the Nets and Kyrie see a situation like this is saying we need each other and this is the way we're going to do it. And maybe we're going to negotiate a little bit more than we thought we were going to. But in the end, we're going to be together. But still, it's still going to be a tough road knowing that you have another one of these upper echelon teams in there. I got a couple more thoughts here to close this one out. Before I do that, I got to talk to you about our friends over at Rock Auto. All those makes and models of cars and trucks out there going into your local chain for auto parts uh, can just feel really intimidating. It can feel like kind of like you're meandering through the aisles. You don't. It's hard to sometimes get help. I know I've had an unbelievably bad run with uh, rocks hitting the windshields. Got one on the truck. Got one on the Honda, and then another one on the truck in in a less than six month span. It's all right. I know I'm going to Rock Auto. I'm going to buy one of those repair kits, patch it up, maybe not have to replace the whole windshield. That is what Rock Auto does for you. And I know I'm going to get thirty, even fifty percent better savings when I use RockAuto.com. When you go to RockAuto.com, you can see all the parts available for your car or truck. You right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And when you are done with that, make sure you are going and checking out the Locked On NBA big board. That is with our man, Raphael Barlow. They're doing the, this is for all those NBA draft junkies out there. He's the author of the NBA big board newsletter. He's going to be joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, uh, Leif Thulin. They're going to give fans an in-depth look at the NBA draft, mock drafts, player rankings, and of course, all the big boards. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. That's the Locked On NBA big board. All right. Let's close this thing out here. Uh, just to make some predictions. Uh, love to hear what your predictions are, by the way, for the finals. I think that these two teams, the way that they're matched up, really, really interesting with the way uh, you, know, you get constant motion from the Warriors. They're going to try to run you ragged, like we said before. We know that Boston is up to the task when it comes to the defense, the way that they're able to just kind of clamp other teams down. They have lots of ways that they can switch on you. They have point-of-attack defenders uh, that can make other you know, the opposing team's life difficult when it comes to that. So I think the way that they match up is really interesting. It's definitely not one-for-one. One. They're built almost completely differently on – basically just two competing ideas of how they want to play their games. It's based on personnel. They have totally different personnel and they just have catered their teams to fit their championship, or excuse me, their uh, superstar level personnel. And that's really, really smart. This is what you see really good teams do. Both of them have done it. Emei's done it with Boston. We've obviously seen what Kerr has done over the years with the Warriors. This is not new. This is all, you know, this a lot with the Warriors, at least we've seen this for years and years and years. But, you know, it's back to just kind of Curry's team, like sort of that we knew it to be right at the beginning when the Warriors began their run, Curry's team. 
with Clay and Draymond around them. Some other parts that have looked amazing, like Wiggins at times. Obviously, they're getting a ton out of Kevon Looney. You know, this is a team, but this is sort of back to those Warriors early championship roots, if you want to call it, around how that they can kind of put together a championship level team. And then you get this unbelievable defense in Boston that just makes it impossible for other teams to so difficult, not impossible, but so difficult for other teams to score. Go back to the Nets series, one, held in the 114 the first game, 107, 103, 112 in the last one. And like I said, that 112, it didn't, that didn't feel as close as four points if, you just, if you're able to really and honestly think back to how that series turned out. So let's make some predictions. Adam and I will do it too, but I'll throw it out there now. I think that the Warriors take this in six. That's kind of how I see it. I think that the, I think the Celtics have had such a difficult time. They're gonna, it's going to help them to get some rest for a few days because their legs looked completely shot by the end of the Miami series. But in the end, I think that the Warriors are just going to run them all the way down. I think it's just going to be very, very difficult. They have not faced a team like this Warriors team yet. They have not faced a team in for seven games or an extended series that just going to, again, try to run you all around. The Warriors dispatched the Mavericks in no time. very Almost to the point where it's like they punted game four just to get it back to Oracle to get the uh, <laughs> to get the receipt, the gate money with some of the lineups that they played in that game four. They had no problem there. Yeah, the Memphis series went a game longer than they thought it was going to. You know, no jaw. That one, I know they got crushed in the one game. That one didn't feel all that difficult either. But I think that's where we, I think in the end, the some of the fatigue stuff is going to catch up with Boston before it's all said and done. That's my prediction for how I think the series turns out. Uh, so I'd be interested to hear what you, what you think. I and mean, obviously Adam and I are going to talk about it again as well. And I'd also be just be interested to hear what you think about Boston now as coming out of the Eastern Conference. Are we worried about that this is sort of a new, maybe not superpower, but championship team? Does that change the way you think about the Nets going forward? Does it change the way you think about these next couple years with Durant? Are you more worried? Do you think this Boston thing is a fluke? Like, did they just get kind of lucky to not run into a high-powered Nets team at just the right time? Do you think they ran into a team that in the Bucks that didn't have Middleton, right? Like, do you do you think that they just ran into the Heat at a time when Lowry got kind of hurt and they were getting nothing from Tyler Hero? There's a couple lucky things that happened there with Boston along the way when it came to other teams and who they didn't have. The Nets didn't have Ben Simmons like they thought they were going to have. Maybe you go back and make a list of all those and say, hey, you know, Boston got really lucky. The the, you know, the Bucks didn't have their second, third best player, if you want to put Holiday there. Lowry was a shell of himself by the time it was all said and done in the Heat series. And they had nobody, and they still took him to seven. I can hear that argument, too. I can definitely hear that side of the argument. Um, I'm just, I just, it's more about that fact that we're now putting Boston in a different tier, I think, than we thought we were going to, even when the playoffs started. That's the scary proposition, I think, right now. And that's the scary proposition in going back and thinking about the beginning of those playoffs and where we thought about the Nets going into that first game, into that first series, thinking, you know, we said Nets in seven, Corrales said Boston in six, they dispatched them in a sweep. And even then, I'm not sure we thought totally that Boston was on the kind of trajectory they're on now. And now they're sitting on the cusp of a championship. All right, Adam and I will be back tomorrow talking more uh, about this, looking more at the finals. We're starting to really dive deep into the draft. Adam's got a ton of free agent stuff he wants to get to as well. So do I, because uh, the Nets have a lot of decisions to make here. Hopefully, 
we're able to get a little bit more reporting over these next week or two about where the Kyrie Irving negotiations stand. If Durant has spoken with the team, we hopefully that they're on speaking terms because then a Christian Winfield article made it sound like maybe they weren't still not totally worried, still beginning of the offseason. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you also like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We are free and available on all platforms. Thanks so much for being on the ride with us over through this offseason. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. Members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.